This is the Gender Justice Brief, a podcast of gender justice. We fight for gender equity by breaking down legal, structural, and cultural barriers and expanding protections. We want to see all people thrive, regardless of their gender, gender expression, and sexual orientation. Hey everyone, welcome back to our next episode, season two, episode two of the Gender Justice Brief. I'm Erin Hart, your host and director of communications at Gender Justice, and I'm really excited to have Christy Hall back on the podcast. Christy Hall is our senior staff, one of our senior staff attorneys here at Gender Justice. Hey, Christy. Hi, I'm glad to be back. Thanks. It is August 25th, 2023, and a lot of folks are have just started back in school, are getting ready to go back to school. And particularly in light of new laws for folks going back to school, depending on where you are, we wanted to talk to you today about transgender students in school and what the landscape looks like for people's rights as students and families prepare to go back to school. So I wanted to start out, Christy, if you could give us a little bit of the legal protections that we have here in Minnesota for set the stage for folks. Yeah. So the good news is that in the state of Minnesota, LGBTQ students, including trans students, have a lot of protections when it comes to education and and getting an education that's free of discrimination. We still hear from folks on a regular basis, so not every school district is necessarily fully complying with the law, but the legal protections are strong. And I think there's a lot of anxiety for families with LGBTQ plus students because of the national climate, which is bad. I'm not going to sugarcoat that, but the protections in Minnesota are very strong and people should be aware of that. And primarily in Minnesota, that's specific to Minnesota, we have the Minnesota Human Rights Act. It prohibits discrimination in a bunch of areas, but one of those areas is education, and it expressly protects people based on sexual orientation and based on gender identity. And that means a lot of things. It means that schools can't require students to use the wrong bathrooms. They have to permit people to use the bathrooms that match their gender identity. They uh, have to respect student names, pronouns, those kinds of things. Um, They're not allowed to uh, discriminate against, um, and that includes protecting students from bullying in schools. Those are the basics. And those, those are protected by, again, the Minnesota Human Rights Act in our state. Okay, great. And in are when you've been at gender justice for I think a little over 10 years now and um, everyone should go back and listen to the episode Christy Hall 10 years at gender justice from last season but what has some of our casework looked like in this area uh, for transgender students and their families and how how have you seen that changing the the atmosphere the environment here in Minnesota 
The protections have been in place in the law since the 1990s, actually, but there there hasn't been a lot of there hasn't been a lot of case law. It, it wasn't always clear to school districts what that meant. And so one of the things that gender justice has done during our history is we've brought a series of cases against school districts of all types to protect, in particular, trans students from discrimination at school. And one of those cases involved a charter school in St. Paul, where we brought a case. In that case, it was actually to the St. Paul agency. There is a city ordinance in St. Paul that also protects students. And in that case, it involved an elementary school age trans kid. And the family simply wanted, and the kid simply wanted the school district to respect the gender identity of their trans daughter by using the correct name and using the correct pronouns. And when that was a challenge for the school. We sued the school and were able to um, reach a successful public settlement. News about all of these cases, since they involve school districts, are public. They're not permitted to keep them uh, quiet in the same way that other entities can. Um, and we were able to get the school to agree that going forward, they had to respect the rights of trans kids and they had to use the correct pronouns, the correct name, even if there's not like a legal name change at that point, students can still require schools to use the student's preferred name and to let students use the bathrooms and locker rooms that align with their gender identity. Okay. And how does that case align or what does the trajectory of other cases look like? I think we also had a case with Anoka Hennepin School District, perhaps also Buffalo. You can correct me if I got those wrong. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's also every single case that we've brought along this, we have been successful at. This is this it's very clear now, in part thanks to the Anoka Hennepin case that you mentioned. In that case, we represented a trans boy who was a student at Coon Rapids High School, and he was on the boys' swim team. And the school board at one point found out about this. He was successfully participating in the boys' swim team, using the locker room. It wasn't a problem. His coach was fine. His teammates were fine. Uh, and then at some point, somebody from the school board found out. And initially, they told him that he couldn't compete on the boys' swim team and that he couldn't use the boys' locker room. And then over the summer, they actually modified the locker rooms to create essentially like a single stall kind of locker room space which there's nothing wrong with doing that. That's a good idea, more privacy. And some students might choose to use a facility like that, but they required this student to use it. And we took this case to the Minnesota Court of Appeals to clarify a few different things in the law and got a ruling from the Minnesota Court of Appeals. And, and what that means, since it's the Court of Appeals, it is binding on the entire state. It is clear what the law is. If you are at a school in the state of Minnesota, they have to follow this. And what it said is you cannot segregate transgender students by forcing them to use gender neutral or segregated spaces. If you have them, you can and should permit them to use them. You are required also to let transgender students use the bathrooms and locker rooms that align with their gender identity. 
again, if that's what the student is asking to do. And every school district in the state needs to respect that. And so following that Court of Appeals decision, we were able to resolve that case as well. And then the other case that you mentioned in the Buffalo School District in Wright County, that's in the suburbs just west of the Twin Cities, very similar situation there. That case involved a middle school student who was prevented from using the boys' bathroom, was required to use essentially like a teacher's bathroom that was often locked and was far away and and was told that if he actually used the regular boys' bathroom like any other boy, that he would be punished for it. And in each of these cases as well, like there are mental health consequences for students when they're prohibited from participating in school in a way that aligns with their gender identity. And the courts in each of these cases, the St. Paul agency in that first case that I mentioned, and then the courts in the next cases that I mentioned, have been clear that this these kinds of practices violate the law. They violate students' rights. There are damages and consequences to students when you do that. And in each case, the schools have been you know, required to pay significant monetary settlements to resolve those cases, as well as change changing their policies going forward. Yeah, those are huge wins. And I'm just proud of myself for getting them. But yeah, so in terms of so we've had these huge wins, we have a really strong legal foundation for people's rights. So where do you feel is the hang up if we keep getting calls from like students, parents, families, maybe even teachers about LGBTQ plus students in school and their rights? Yeah. So I think the reality is that transgender students have become a political issue, which is ridiculous. And a lot of school boards and school districts use transgender students as a scapegoat and demagogue about transgender students' ability to participate in schools in a way that matches their authentic identities. And that's the case even when the the law is clear that not every school district follows the law. And uh, there are consequences if they don't, the school districts can and will be sued. And in some cases, people inside the school district may not know their rights. They may not know to be able to advocate for them. They may not, the school district itself may not understand or may not know uh, that these cases exist and are binding and require them to follow the law. So I think that's one of the big barriers. In addition, just this kind of, again, demagoguing using transgender students creates an atmosphere that permits, in some cases, communities to bully trans kids and to to, I, I think that's probably a source of the problem. And I don't want to sugarcoat that. But I also want to say, again, it, like it's important for students to recognize that the law and like the powers that be in the state of Minnesota are on their side. And there are ways to address things when they happen. You can file complaints with the Minnesota Department of Human Rights. If there's a violation with the Minnesota Human Rights Act, you don't need an attorney to do that. And as well, and I know we're going to talk about other states as well, but this is also against federal law. And I think that a lot of, again, school districts, parents, students aren't aware of that. And so you can make complaints to the Office for Civil Rights, the agency that enforces Title IX as well. Okay. Yeah, that was a beautiful segue 
uh, that you did for me <laughs> into um, federal rights or federal law and Title IX and the Office of Civil Rights. Could you describe what those are and how people can access them? Yeah, so I think a lot of people have heard of Title IX, but may not know exactly what it is or what it does. But it is a federal law that prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex in any school that receives federal funding, which is the vast majority of schools receives, receive some form of federal funding, whether that's a public schools within a state, those public schools school systems receive federal dollars, or even if a school gets, for example, most colleges, even private colleges, students get FAFSA, get federal student aid money. That counts as well. So it covers a lot of educational contexts. And sex discrimination, we know from the U.S. Supreme Court in the Bostock decision just a couple of years ago, that when a anti-discrimination law federal law says you can't discriminate on the basis of sex, that includes sexual orientation, and it includes gender identity. And federal courts around the country have enforced Title IX against schools that are discriminating against their transgender students. By far, the that's the mo case from courts that have considered cases like this the vast majority of them have found in favor of students and have required school districts to not discriminate. And yeah, and that includes, again, I mentioned there's a federal agency then that's tasked with enforcing Title IX. And that federal agency is the Office for Civil Rights within the Department of Education. And you can, again, anybody can go to their website and make a complaint using their online complaint form, and they will come in and investigate, and they have the power to strip a school of its federal funding if the school doesn't comply with Title IX. Oh, I imagine wow. that agency is going to be really busy this school year because I know a lot of states have passed laws that actually conflict with federal law. Wow. And to your knowledge, has have schools lost their funding through this process or the threat of losing their federal funding has always <laughs> convinced the schools to follow the law? I am not aware of a case where a school said, nope, take our federal funding away instead. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very motivating. What is the Bostock decision that you referenced? I have in my head that Neil Gorsuch authored that opinion. Is that, that is correct. That is correct. I'm winning trivia today on all fronts, <laughs> but I don't know what the case actually means. Was it uh, a Title IX case? It was not. And the Bostock decision is actually like a trio of decisions. One of them was about gender identity and the other two were about sexual orientation. And all of those cases were in the context of Title VII, which is another federal law that prohibits sex discrimination, but also other kinds of discrimination in employment. And so that was in the employment context. And and that decision, like I said, came down, I think it was in 2020, in the summer of 2020, when that decision came down, but don't hold me to that because I'm not positive. And it was authored by Neil Gorsuch. And it made very clear that actually it was the text of the statute when Title VII said sex discrimination that necessarily means discrimination based on sexual orientation and discrimination based on gender identity. And for that, that's one of the 
cases, even before, that's how many federal courts were interpreting the law, both for Title VII and for Title IX, because they prohibit sex discrimination and many other statutes that prohibit sex discrimination. But since that cases enforcing Title IX have cited to that case and said, look, there's no reason why it's, it would be any different in a school. It's the same thing. It prohibits sex discrimination. If that word in federal law <laughs> means what they said it meant, it applies to Title IX as well. And the federal agency, as I mentioned, the Department of Education and its Office for Civil Rights enforced Title IX. As a result of the Bostock decision, the federal agency went through a process and they're still they still have not finalized these regulations, but they proposed new regulations many months ago. I think it might be over a year ago at this point. They proposed new regulations incorporating that decision. We are expecting those regulations to be finalized in October, but OCR uh, can and is currently enforcing the law, anticipating that's what the regulations mean because, again, of the Bostock decision. They're confident that's how federal courts will uh, enforce the law as well. I should mention, this is an area where obviously there's ongoing litigation all the time. And there are some states that have gotten an injunction preventing the Office for Civil Rights from enforcing the law in their state, at least temporarily while litigation is ongoing. At the end of the day, I expect that this will be settled and the Supreme Court, but there are a few states um, that have uh, gotten injunctions preventing the Office for Civil Rights from enforcement within their jurisdiction. Uh, we're here in Minnesota. We are not one of those states, so we have those state protections as well as federal protections. North Dakota, right next door, where gender justice does a lot of work, is not one of those states. If you are in North Dakota and North Dakota schools violate Title IX, you can call up OCR and tell them about it, and they'll enforce the law. Okay, excellent. Can you talk a little bit about the laws in North Dakota and what you know, students might be facing as they head back to school there after their most recent legislative session. Yeah. So I mentioned North Dakota specifically because North Dakota, like many other states around the country, was it was one of those states that passed a lot of anti-transgender legislation. And most of that in clear conflict with federal law and or the Constitution and or their state constitution. And I'm sure we will see litigation regarding these issues. But in particular, North Dakota passed a law that's specific to schools. And that law says that schools essentially are prohibited from doing things like have having transgender students use bathrooms and locker rooms that align with their gender identity and also prohibited from using correct pronouns, correct names, things like that. Those are the kinds of things that the law says that it does. And that law is in effect in North Dakota. However, when it comes to a conflict between what the federal government says you have to do and what Title IX says you have to do and what the state government in North Dakota says that you have to do, the federal government wins. So that law is on the books in North Dakota, but it is not legal. And in a fight with federal law, it will lose. 
And I suspect for that reason, some school districts within the state of North Dakota, so the school district where Fargo is located, for example, have announced that they will not be following the North Dakota law. And that's right. They have to follow federal law instead because federal law takes priority. Some school districts in North Dakota are likely not aware of that or haven't gotten good legal advice on that subject. But again, one of the things that you can do if you are in a school district that is violating the law, you can call up the Office for Civil Rights. You can go to their webpage. You can file an online complaint. They have an online complaint form and ask them to enforce the law. Great. And it's interesting that this discussion of also like state law and federal law. So last week on the podcast, we talked to your colleagues, our colleague, Sarah Jane Baldwin, about an alley about pregnancy rights and pumping rights. Mm-hmm. And in that case, I think she said that, or my understanding was that where Minnesota offers more protections for pregnancy and pumping rights that as compared to federal law. So in that case, Minnesota's laws prevail if you're in Minnesota. Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yep, that's exactly right. And that's the way it works, is that the way that I've heard it described before is that the federal law provides a floor on the rights that you were entitled to. It does not provide a ceiling. So if you are in, for example, Minnesota, where they're more protective of trans rights than even the federal law, Minnesota's law can provide that additional protection. And that's the the same when it comes to other kinds of civil rights laws, including discrimination as it relates to pregnancy and parenting and that kind of thing. But they can't, if the state wants to give you fewer rights than the federal law does, they cannot do that. The federal law provides a floor, but it doesn't, doesn't provide the ceiling. Got it. Okay. That's a good analogy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And from my understanding too, the the laws in North Dakota also affect students' participation in sports. Is that right? That is right. That's correct as well. And on this in this area, the proposed regulations. So there were proposed regulations from the from the Office for Civil Rights in the Department of Education that just relate to things like. How can are transgender students permitted to use bathrooms and locker rooms that align with their gender identity? Can they be discriminated against because of their gender identity or their sexual orientation? No, they can't. Those proposed regulations that were more general and more broad, they're proposed earlier. And then in, I believe it was either March or April of this past year, the Department of Education announced proposed regulations for Title IX that were specific to athletics. And I don't know. These also have not been finalized. We are also expecting them to be finalized in October, along with the other regulations. Uh, But the proposed regulations, from my perspective, are a little bit more wishy-washy as it relates to athletics. It is clear that states like North Dakota has instituted basically a ban on transgender athletes at any level participating in sports in a way that aligns with their gender identity. And that is clearly illegal. 
under the Office for Civil Rights, the Department of Education's proposed Title IX regulations, they say you can't have a one-size-fits-all solution. You have to think about what level of athletics you're talking about, and you have to tailor regulations so that they're specifically about performance. I, I We wrote a comment saying that's not good enough, Department of Education. We hope that they will listen to us. It's clear that North Dakota law, though, that would prohibit transgender students from playing at any level of sport, that would be illegal and will be enforced by OCR that way once the regulations are final. In the state of Minnesota, though, again, the Minnesota Human Rights Act provides greater protections here than it does under the federal law. And one of our actually sports cases, it doesn't relate to schools, but the Cooper case that I know we've talked about on the podcast before, we represent a transgender woman athlete who wanted to participate in a powerlifting contest and USA Powerlifting prohibited transgender women from participating as women. We won that case at the district court. It's a case that's actually about the exact same law. It's about the Minnesota Human Rights Act. As I mentioned earlier, the Minnesota Human Rights Act prohibits discrimination in a number of different areas. In that case, it was public accommodations. It also applies to employment. It applies to education. It applies to public services, all kinds of good things. But what that means is that courts are likely to interpret the Minnesota Human Rights Act in the exact same way when it comes to education discrimination. And if schools don't want to be sued, they need to let transgender student athletes participate in sports in a way that aligns with their gender identity. That's also what the Minnesota State High School League said and has said for years. And actually, Minnesota is a great counterexample to the hideous narrative that there's some danger or risk to women's sports in letting transgender women and girls participate. It's just, just not the case. The Minnesota State High School League has had th that rule in place since 2000. And Minnesota sports in girls sports in Minnesota are thriving. We have extremely high participation levels, higher than they, they increase every year. And it's just, I think, a testament to the power of inclusion. Yeah, that's such an excellent point. I think I remember just mentioning that recently to me too. I don't know if it was on the podcast or a meeting. Christy, one thing I wanted to ask you about before we wrap up today is the resources that gender justice has and that we've provided in the past. I know our advocacy team worked with you all on the legal team to put together some letters for students and parents. Can you talk a little bit about those and how they might be used by people? Yeah, so we we hear from the students all the time and want to continue to hear from students if there are ways that their school districts are not complying with the law or if there are gaps in, in how people are able to access their rights. And you can contact us. But one of the things that we did is created a back to school toolkit that will help people advocate for themselves. We're like a small legal team and we do what we can. But if you can advocate for yourself, a lot of times you can fix the problem before anybody, before it has to get to the lawyers uh, before it has to get to that point. So we have on our website a toolkit that includes things like know your rights handouts and sample letters that you can send to your school district to let them know if they're not complying with the law. And we want to encourage people to use those and advocate for themselves in school districts around the state.
Excellent. Thank you. And we will link to those in the show notes today. Christy, really appreciate you taking time out on a Friday afternoon. I know that our legal team has been extremely busy this summer and that we have updates coming from you all soon. I uh, wanted to ask, is as we're talking about people going back to school uh, and transgender rights and LGBTQ plus students' rights in school, is there anything else that you'd like to mention maybe that we haven't covered yet or final thoughts today? Yeah, I think uh, hopefully it is a good school year. I, I hope it'll be that way for everybody. And I know that it's just important to, especially when you turn on the news and hear about the efforts that people around the country are making to take away trans rights. I hope that people take some comfort in the fact that there are people on your side as well fighting for your rights and and that in fact we are we've largely been successful at doing that and that your rights are protected in Minnesota in schools and that there are things that you can do if your school is not following the law in Minnesota and elsewhere. Excellent. So yeah, we will post a link to the Office of Civil Rights website for folks and also the Minnesota Department of Human Rights. I think Christy you said that they have a f- online form as well. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us today. And we look forward to having you back on the podcast now that we're up and running for this season. Maybe I'm already scheduling in my head a new Title IX regulations episode in October. (laughs) (laughs) Looking forward to that. Thanks so much, Christy. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Gender Justice Brief. This show is produced by Gunter Janel and Audra Griegas. To keep up with our work in real time, be sure to check out the show notes for where to find us on the web, social media, and to sign up for text updates. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share to help us spread our message. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.